0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSC. All right, it's another edition of the Penn Live Penn State Blue White Breakdown from the Road heading back from Beaver Stadium. Greg Pickle and Bob Flounders. And Bob, let's just cut right to the chase. We have a lot to talk about Penn State season in totality, a big win over Illinois. But the Lions announced just before midnight Saturday night that there will be no bowl game. They've decided not to go to the postseason this fall. Your initial reaction?
1: Uh, I can't, I mean, you know, honestly, I went back and forth on this, uh, Greg. I thought it didn't make a lot of sense for them to play only because given the circumstances of the pandemic, given the fact that this, the team, the staff, you know, uh, the medical staff, you know, the assistant coaches, the support staff, they've essentially been on their own, say for maybe a couple weeks since early June and to play in a fairly meaningless bowl game with very little incentive, and to play 10 consecutive weeks of football, that's a lot, that's a huge ask, physically and mentally, during a pandemic on a football team, I didn't think it made sense, I I didn't know what to believe, Greg, when, you know, you ask the players, like, what are they supposed to say, you know, a lot of them are just going to kind of go through the motions and say, of course, we want to play, but you have to wonder, you know, today when Penn State, you know, as we talk about this, you know, beat Illinois, you know, they, they, they suffered a lot of losses throughout the season, but they didn't have a couple players today. Jason Owe didn't play last week, didn't play again. They they didn't have Tariq Castro-Fields since the Maryland game. You just wonder, you know, what was going on there. Joey Porter didn't play. Secondary's beat up. Um, I, but, you know, after the game, James Franklin made it sound like they really had a tough decision to make. But you and I have been talking. You wonder if maybe this decision had kind of been made a while ago because it was a quick turnaround. They had a nice long press release explaining their decision. Uh, my gut feeling is this decision wasn't just made maybe right after the game. I think, I think, I think the decision probably had been made before that. I do agree with it. Um, I didn't think it made a whole lot of sense to play the game. I'm kind of glad they didn't. I think these. I think the players, the coaches. All the staff, they need to get on with their lives. They've given up a lot just to play nine weeks in a row. Uh, are they the only team in the Big Ten, maybe the only team, that was able to make it through? Uh, them and Rutgers. Them and Rutgers. God bless Rutgers. Only two teams out of 14 uh, made the journey. Penn State got through it pretty healthy. Kudos to James Franklin and his staff. And, yeah, I think it was the right decision. And it's, they went out on a good note. I'm, I'm happy for them, and I'm happy they're, these guys are all going to get a chance to spend the holidays, hopefully, with their family. And, and they're all healthy. and that, That's the main thing.
0: This was the right thing to do, Bob. I mean, you're talking about going to a Duke's Mayo Bowl, <laughs> or a Guaranteed Rate Bowl, or some other company-sponsored bowl that's not a household name in a lot of respects. I mean, for Penn State to quarantine for and basically, not quarantine, but basically be away from everyone for another week or two weeks depending on which game they would have drawn and to go to some other city and then have to come back and quarantine again and do all the things they've had to do since June when they were allowed to come back to campus. It just it didn't make a lot of sense from the beginning. I mean, I think that James Franklin and Sandy Barber would have stood behind any decision that the players made but I certainly don't think either one of them is disappointed about Uh, Not going to a bowl game. You know, obviously, financially, it's been a tough year for the athletic department, so they're going to save some money on that end of the deal. And then I just have to think for the players and the coaches, it must be such a relief to just know that they can let their guard down a little bit. Obviously, not go out and do anything crazy or anything that would, you know, risk. their 2021 season anyway but you know I I just have to think that this was the perfect way to go out they had some early struggles with Illinois when they started uh, Isaiah Williams and not Brandon Peters and we saw why later in the game that was the decision that the fighting line I made but Bob once they really got it in gear in the second quarter and on I mean Illinois had what 75 yards the rest of the way Penn State kind of did a pretty much whatever it wanted to for a large portion of this game, and a lot of guys got to play that don't typically get to play, and I think that that is a way to end this season on a positive note, and uh, like you said, get everyone moving on.
1: Yeah, Illinois was a largely a bad football team when they were healthy. <clears throat> I think I saw your tweet that you retweeted from Illinois Athletics or Illinois Football. They were without like 17 players for this game. A lot of them were... Key players, or core players. They had their best wideout a couple of days ago, even though he was a senior. Skipped this game to get ready for the draft. I think their entire secondary was out, and they just they, they were out. They were out of they were out of bullets, man. I can't even. I give them credit for getting on the plane, really, yeah. because there was real really no reason to. Um, their new head coach Brett Bylamut was at the game. I'm not sure why, but that, that was a rudderless ship that Penn State faced today. It was a game for about 15 minutes. Uh, good. Uh, for, um, as far as Penn State goes, they had the best player on the field, Jahan Dotson, um, and they had. They were, I think they were the more athletic team. Uh, they finished the year with four straight wins. Takes a lot of the sting out of the zero and five start. Um, and I, I think if you're a Penn State fan, you know as disappointing as four and five may seem, and yes, they couldn't beat Ohio State again. They lost it home to Maryland, uh, they got it handed to them by Iowa, uh, That all—that all those things are true, but you have to be a little bit encouraged by the way some of the younger players kind of developed. You saw another player today, another young player today, I think take a really big step forward. The linebacker, Brandon Smith, the five-star, who was kind of a little bit erratic early in the year. You would see one splash play, but then maybe you wouldn't see him for a little while. This is a young player that didn't have a spring, Greg, uh, but there's no doubting his physical tools. Well, today you saw him play easily his best game as a Penn State Nittany Lion, led the team in tackles with eight, had three tackles for loss. After the first quarter, the defense was a different defense, Much like the second half against Michigan State, it just takes Penn State's defense, especially at home, 15 or 20 minutes to figure things out, and then things get better. But boy, for a while there, Greg, it looked like it was like the first one to 60 was going to win this game. Penn State was able to kind of get things started. They got another huge play from their special teams. Jahan Dotson was unreal, Um, but they got some... They got a lot of players kind of make some plays, whereas Illinois, you know, once you got pla- past the Illinois, uh, the, the quarterback's ability to run the ball, they didn't really, they couldn't really do anything else. So Penn State was expected to win. Uh, they did win. You know, you look at what they did during the, the four-game winning streak. Yeah, they didn't beat great teams. They win at Michigan. They win at Rutgers. They they take Michigan State apart in the second half. They're the better team against Illinois for three quarters. Um you know, it's, it was two different seasons. You don't know really what that means for Penn State moving forward. But, yeah, I, I think the young players took a step forward. Uh, we could talk about some big-picture decisions if you want, but they got it right with the decision not to play the bowl game. And, Greg, I have to say, you know, even if the players did want to play, it's the job of the athletic director. It's the job of James Franklin to make the best decisions for the team. It wasn't a decision where... Pitt got wrong, where the, you know, the the AD and the coach wanted to play, and the players didn't want to play, had it been reversed, and had it been the players say to James Franklin, we want to play, I think James Franklin kind of looked at where they were after nine weeks and said, you know what, it's just not worth it, we're looking out for you guys, there's just not a lot to gain from playing a tenth game in ten weeks, and I think they got it right, whereas Pitt got it reversed wrong, um, it was the right decision, I'm glad they made it. And like I already said, I'm glad they're going to get to kind of relax a little bit and enjoy some time with their families. But it's just been a really bizarre nine weeks. And Penn State actually, even though they're 4-5, and they navigated better than almost anyone else in the Big Ten. Yes.
0: Yeah, they absolutely did. And there's no question that... You know, James Franklin was probably doing a little bit of foreshadowing. I mean, I agree with you what you said earlier, that I don't think Penn State's leadership council got together with James Franklin and they suddenly had this aha moment where, you know, two hours after the game and 30 minutes after the news conferences ended, they decided to put out that they're not going to play in a bowl game. I think this was probably decided a long time ago. You know, not maybe too long ago, but certainly before the end of this game, the players who were asked about the bowl game, kind of were smirking and smiling and saying they weren't talking about that, so... They knew. They knew, and it is what it is, but yeah, so, I mean, moving forward now, you're right, there are some decisions that have to be made, Bob. There's some guys who are going to have NFL draft decisions. There are uh, obviously, you know every year we talk about transfer portal and potential coaching staff changes. Let's start there before we get to the yeah. other draft, guys.
1: Good call. This is
0: always a topic that people love to talk about, and you don't always have a lot of info about any staff changes until they happen. You know, Matt Linegrover's not having his contract renewed last year, kind of came out of the blue. Jared Parker leaving for West Virginia, same right. thing even back to when Josh Gaddis left for Michigan. I mean, you could kind of see the writing on the wall there when Ricky Ronnie got the O.C. job and he did not. But, you know, a lot of these things, there's not always a ton of heads up that guys are looking around. So I guess my question to you is more general than it is a question about individual guys. But do you think Penn State should return all of its staff next year? And if not... Where are some of the areas you think they can improve?
1: Yeah, so for me, uh, I don't. I just. I think in this day and age, you just don't see a, a staff uh, return intact either. Either they are in demand by another program, and that's not going to be the case. I think at Penn State, when you go four and five and start zero oh and five, or you know they they messed up in some areas of the uh, of the game, and it ended up it ended up. Costing Penn State some games to so me when I look at the offensive side of the ball new offensive line coach new OC new wideouts coach the running backs coach I think is a pretty good running back, running backs coach and he's a very good recruiter I don't know if you can make a case Greg to make any changes on the offensive side if you're James Franklin. Now maybe some of those guys leave But like I said When you when you go with 4 and 5 I can't imagine That any of those guys Are really maybe in high demand Maybe Juwan Sider Just because he's a good recruiter And if you look at the play Of the Penn State running backs The last couple of years It's hard to argue with that They, they certainly have not been The weak link The fact that they were able to develop two young running backs, and they lose. You know, there, there's really no Noah Kane. There's really there's no Journey Brown. Devin Ford just hasn't been able to to go most of the last couple of weeks for a variety of reasons. To me, if there's going to be change, it probably is going to be on the defensive side. Now, I don't know what that'll be, but it's hard for me to look at this Penn State defense and see they had two first-team All Big Ten defensive linemen. They have a safety that I think is going to the Senior Bowl. And Jaquan, Jaquan Brisker, I think I believe Tariq Castro-Fields, even though he didn't play, is going to the Senior Bowl as well. Correct. To me, if you're going to make some changes, I think you start there. I just don't think this defense, uh, when it really counted, was able to get off the field. It was true against Ohio State. It was true against Maryland. It was true late in the game at Indiana. It was true in the second half. Against Iowa, that when the heavy lifting had to be done against the best teams on the schedule, uh, I think the defense uh, certainly was an issue. To me, I would look for maybe a change or two on the defensive side. I just don't think you could bring back all your staff, you know, when you struggle as badly as Penn State did early in the year. James Franklin might have other ideas, and there might be some budget concerns. But to me, if there's going to be changes. I would look maybe for one or two, possibly. On the defensive side, and if if he does make changes, I think he could make a strong case that James is right in doing so. One thing I'll say, though, when James has ha- felt the need to make a decision, it by and large it's happened pretty quickly. Right, you know, he did it. He did it uh, with John Donovan uh, when he had to make a change. He did it with Corley. It was a David Corley? Yes. Yep. He didn't. He didn't really waste any time there. I think if James. James has had a long enough time maybe to think about this. I would say in a couple of weeks. I don't think he'll wait very long if he wants to make a decision. We'll see. I would, say def- I would I would look to the defensive side, Greg. What about you?
0: Yeah, no, we're on the same page there. Keep in mind, we're recording this late Saturday yeah. night. So yeah. by chance, maybe you listen to this on Sunday. Bob is 100% right. When they've made changes, it's happened very fast. So just want to throw that disclaimer out there. You could be hearing us talk about things that uh, maybe don't exactly line up with what's going on at the present moment. But, yeah, I mean, to me, Bob, here's the problem. We've spent a couple of years now talking about two things with this Penn State defense. Tackling issues and pass defense not really having right. the answers. And I get it's an offensive game, and I understand that you know, but you know, there's been too many times where teams have been able to enforce their will and their game plan on offense on Penn State, and Penn State doesn't always have a lot of answers. Now I know that the numbers have been good and James Franklin spent a lot of time this year saying about how good de- how good a defense they've played over the last handful of years. Yes. But I'm on board with you. If they're gonna make changes, I don't know if they need to or if they will, but I'm thinking the same thing as you. It's gonna be on that defensive side of the ball. If they feel like they need to get Somebody in there to either help improve the pass defense or help improve the, the right. tackling. You know, We'll see what they decide to do. But, yeah, that's one thing to watch. And I think Tyler Bowen's a guy to keep an eye on, too. He's a okay. rising assistant. Um, obviously, he had offensive coordinator experience at Fordham. He was the interim offensive coordinator a year ago. Today was his uh, – when he was named the interim offensive coordinator during the transition between Ricky Ronnie and – Kirk Shiraka. Uh-huh. so while I agree with you, um, they have produced some pretty darn good tight ends here. And the young the tight ends, I thought, at yeah. the
1: end of the year looked pretty good.
0: Yeah, Brenton Strange, Theo Johnson, both have looked good down the stretch with Pat Fryer out, so he's one guy I think could be in line for a promotion potentially. We'll have to wait and see how that plays out. I asked him on yeah, Thursday during the assistant coaches call what his future goals are, and he was very generic, and as you would expect. But, yeah, I think he's cool one being. guy to keep an eye on. Maybe not this year, but I don't think he's a guy that's going to be a Penn State forever, not in the current role. Anyway, uh, moving on to the players. Yeah. I mean, I think we all feel darn good about and can probably start writing as soon as this podcast ends. <laughs> the Pat friar leaving story Sure, and get that ready. I think Jason Awe is probably going to go. Agreed. Um, I really have a hard time seeing any of the seniors coming back with the extra year of eligibility. I thought perhaps Brisker could be that guy, but if he took a senior ball in, that, that takes that <laughs> um, You know, I just don't yeah. know if I see anyone taking advantage of that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe a guy like Shane Simmons who flashed a little bit down the stretch, but I think the one thing that's important <clears throat> to remember, Bob, and I think we agree here, is that five and six years is a really long time to be on a college campus playing football, not knowing if in 2021 you're gonna to have to do all right. of the mitigation stuff that they had to do this year. I think we're all hopeful that we can sit at the bar at some point in 2021 and also that we don't have to have masks and everything else, but you just don't know. You don't know what the future holds. So I have a hard time seeing that. But outside of Friar Awe, Bob, anyone else you see from this team? really thinking long and hard about that decision, I mean, Jahan Dotson, I think, is probably the easiest place to start.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, what I, when I look at Jahan Dotson um, and what he did this year and where he came from his true freshman year, you know, he didn't have a redshirt year. <clears throat> he, he came on down during the four, final four games of his true freshman season, and the improvement with Jahan has been steady. He's, he's, he's a player that has always gotten better, right, at Penn State. His last four games... Uh, at Penn State as a true freshman Far exceeded anything he did on the practice field As a true freshman before that He became a meaningful contributor His his sophomore year uh, 2019 K.J. Hamler's a feature guy Everyone expects you know, It's going to be Justin Shorter that teams up With K.J. Hamler Friday and they're going to be, it's going to be a really good, well, it just didn't happen with Justin Shorter, instead it's Jahan Dobson, who actually, don't look at the, don't look at the volume of the catches, because Penn State was primarily a running team in 2019 as well, but he had like 28 catches, I think he had five touchdowns, he averaged almost 18 yards a catch, he was, he was really the third option behind, you know, KJ Hamler when he was healthy, and Friday and then this year, you know, KJ Hamler leaves early, they got Pat you coming back, but you know, you didn't know what else you had. You didn't know Parker Washington was going to develop quickly. You heard a lot of talk about maybe Cam Sullivan Brown. There was expectations for John Dunmore. He leaves the team, so Jahan Dotson becomes really the number one wideout, and he embraces it. You know. You know, teams were wary of him, and he still produced, you know. You look at the very first game of the season when they needed to have a play to get back in the in the Indiana game. It was the six I believe it was 60 yards. Late in the game, would it looked like Penn State had that one? He makes the play. He has the big game against Ohio State, eight catches for 144 yards and three touchdowns. He makes Sean Wade look bad on a couple of plays. You know, clearly he is comfortable competing against some of the top corners in the Big Ten. And some of the top corners in the Big Ten, are some of the top corners collegially in the country. The only, the only thing I think that might hold Jahan Dotson back a little, but he plays big. He did, he's not the biggest wideout. Right. 5'11", 180 pounds, soaking wet. But during the last couple of weeks... He's taken a huge step forward in the return game. So now if you're an NFL team, you're getting a player that you know runs good routes. He doesn't drop the ball. He's got speed that plays at the next level. We've seen that. Like, when he got a step on somebody, like, you weren't catching him. And now he contributes in the return game. I just don't know, Greg, if he comes back. Like, how is he going to better this year over nine games? He almost had a 1,000 yards as a marked man. To me, you know, with the uncertainty, the pandemic, with injuries, you know, is he a first-round pick? I don't—he's not. Now, maybe—is he a second- or third-round player? It just depends on how the scouts view him in the NFL. He's certainly a productive player. And you look, you look at where that fits. I mean, you can be a third, fourth, or fifth-round pick and play a long time in the NFL. And right. I just I just think it's never – He's. I don't know that he's ever going to be better at Penn State than he has been right now. He's been healthy. He's got a lot of great tape. I don't think it makes a lot of sense for Jahan to come back. And I, I, to me, it doesn't really matter if he goes in the third round or he goes in the fifth round. I just think the team that drafts him is going to get a very good player He's just got to get a little bit stronger, and I, I just think he can, he's shown he will improve over time. He works at it. He's a good route runner. He's a technician, and he's athletic. I, I just think he's got to go.
0: Yeah, I do, too. I just don't see – it's almost the same conversation as KJ Hamler, right? I mean, what, yeah. what other than the weight room, which the NFL probably has as good, if not a better plan for these guys in the weight room right. than Penn State does. I mean, what else does he have to improve on? And I just don't think the answer is enough to hold him back. So I could see him going. You know, Rasheed Walker is a guy who obviously—that's
1: that's an interesting one to me. It is, is yeah. because of the things you said. I think physically, Rasheed Walker is very close to being. I mean, I know it's you know, you know, three years in college as an offensive tackle, it's a little bit marginal. He's he's such a physical specimen. I thought he had a good year. Um, I thought he had a better year than I think most people did. Um, I think I and I think that his best football is ahead of him. Yeah. Um, I I just you know. I think what you brought up is the question with him. If you're him, do you want to go through an, a potentially another year that's close to this at Penn State where, you know, in June or July, you're not sure what the fall going to look like. You're not sure what the restrictions are going to be. You're not sure if you're going to have to quarantine and isolate even though the vaccine is prevalent. I think he was a very good player. I think if he stayed a year, Greg, in my mind, if he was healthy in 2021 – I think he would leave 21 as a certain first-round pick. So for him, the the consideration is, do I want to come out early and probably be a second-round pick? Which I think, you know, when you talk about second round, is he a top 60 player? I think a lot of teams would gamble on him, for sure, in the second round because of his upside. But, you know, do you want to come back and maybe lock down the first-round pick status? I don't know. That's a t- that's a question for him and his family. But I think he's an NFL player absolutely and I think he I think 2 years from now he'll be a starting left tackle in the NFL. Yeah, I
0: think for him one more year would be very beneficial. Yes. I have a hard time thinking the NFL draft advisory board is going to give him the kind of feedback to leave. But yeah. we also know that a lot of you know, every guy has a different situation. You just never know if there's things beyond the field for any player right. who's eligible to leave early. So, you know, we'll see how things play out there. It is the Blue White Breakdown, Bob. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your audio and podcast. So, typically we have a video, not while we're driving down 322, but you can find all that at youtube.com slash State. And I guess the beginning of the final minutes here, Bob, we'll probably talk next week at least once, kind of set the outlook for the off season and talk about whatever news comes out in the next couple of days. But... Uh, just I guess your final thoughts on this 2020 season coming to an <laughs> end on a high note for Penn State yeah. before 4 game winning streak
1: yeah I, I I think you have to give Penn State's players James Franklin and his assistants the whole team I mean look uh you look at some of the teams that beat Penn State Maryland Ohio State uh Indiana and Iowa yeah they all health-wise struggled down the stretch or they had or that they, they they play teams that right. actually Maybe impacted their health. James is right when they said it's important to keep the players as healthy as possible. They were able to do that, but my overwhelming take about this season is, and it's it is it is it is, it is armchair quarterbacking. Absolutely is, and, I, and I, I mean this is the finish of the Indiana game. I think went a long way towards shaping Penn State's one loss record. Penn State was literally had a 99% chance to win that game at one point, but they didn't. They didn't play smart football. I think in the final minutes of regulation and in overtime, and Indiana made a fantastic comeback. Greg, if Indy, if Penn State wins that game, I just think it's a little bit of a different season. Uh, they they came out, I thought flat. I don't think they were ever ready to play Ohio State uh, after that loss. And as you've seen Ohio State play. That is, not a, that is not a perfect football team. They did have some issues. I really think Penn State was a six or seven win team this year. But it took them so long to kind of get their confidence back after that, that slow start. It carried over into the Ohio State game. And I think the Ohio State loss carried over into the, to the Maryland game. And I, when, I, when I look at like you know the ripple in the pond or the linchpin, for me it was the late going of that Indiana game. I think it could have been quite a bit of a different season. It's unfortunate, and Indiana did make those plays. But um, to me, what happened in the Indiana game, I think carried into the first five or six weeks of the season and it was very tough for Penn State to bounce back from that it's not an excuse but I just think of how close they were to winning that game and I really think it affected the next two or three games unfortunately and it led to them having a losing record
0: yeah you'll get no argument for me Bob and I'd say this is the closing thought you know Penn State uh, obviously number eight in the country when yeah. the preseason rankings come out don't have vision there's any way that they are ranked at the end of this year but certainly could see them back in that conversation next season you know they have a lot of young guys who, to your point didn't really know how to win and then they watched a win you know basically be pulled you know from the the jaws of defeat really I mean it was just I
1: think it was the game of the year not just in the Big Ten but maybe that game in the 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 Coastal Carolina
0: BYU BYU game I
1: mean those two games like I don't know that there was there wasn't a better game. I don't think in the Big Ten this year. I, I you could you could lobby for Ohio State, Indiana, but that was really two different games. I just thought the Penn State Indiana game was kind of blase, and then the the last fourth the fourth quarter at overtime it was sensational, and and they got they just could not bounce back from that quick enough, and that's unfortunate.
0: It is Bob. All right, we will be back next uh, next time with more blue light breakdown.